0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit championschurch.com. Excited to get into the Word this morning. I know we have some great things together as always. Uh, a bit of a uh, I, I love. You know, you've got to understand, people can be kind of quirky, and I think I'm kind of the king of the quirky, right? So there are things that you can share with people and you think like, yeah, that'll translate and make sense, but sometimes it doesn't. Uh, there are a couple of things that have me really excited about the Word this morning, and I always say I'm always excited because I really always am, you know, I mean, I, I love the Scripture, I love the Word of God, and you got to understand that, you know, it's something that when you are, are involved with and you're bringing, you, you can know if you have maybe a knack for it or something like that, and it's not to, to sound arrogant in any way, but it's just something when you, when you know that you're, it's like if you put a fish in the water, you can just tell, hey, he's comfortable there. If you take him out of the water, you can tell he ain't comfortable, right? <laughs> but I, there's something about this, I just feel really comfortable. I, I love doing it, I love you know assembling, and there, the, this morning especially, and there's some wonderful things that inspire where we're going to go this morning, and, and, you know, normally this is when we take out the bulletin and look at it, and I, I don't really want to interrupt anything with the bulletin right now. I want to share with you what inspired where we're going this morning, and it has to do with where we went with the men's group for the past couple of weeks. Now, you know, the men's group meets on Saturday morning. You can find that in the bulletin. But we've had a, a couple of meetings where there's been some, some conversation and discussion, and it's very much discussion. Uh, there's a lot of involvement and in people throwing in their, their input uh, but one of the conversations was uh, church life and and what establishes community and and the church here specifically has a pretty wild history, a bit of a roller coaster of people coming and going and you know many of you who have been here for any length of time have have seen that uh, and so one of the conversations was. You know about what, what is it that God you know, calls in the body, and in, in the church? What is it that's needed? What, what can we do to bring those things to pass? And, and I'm not really doing a, a perfect job presenting to you the, the conversation and how it was presented, uh, but I think you'll see what some of the results you know, stir. So a couple of weeks ago, that ball got rolling with the men. Great conversation, and the, the call at the end of our time was, hey, let's carry this over to next week. Well, let's take this week and pray, and let's ask God, what are some things that we can do, you know, to, to make a way for fellowship, so to speak? That's probably not how we worded it there, but that's kind of the gist of it. To close the door to, to disfellowship, or the breach of fellowship, or the separation, or the divorce and fellowship, and to open a door to the things that are, are conducive to uh, the body of Christ thriving. And you know, really, the body of Christ is something that we use very uh, uh, loosely in our speech. I don't know that we really stop to think about it, but when you consider the body of Christ uh, being a divinely appointed example for our fellowship, it's really powerful. And it's something that can, can translate to, to all people, because you can't really be a person without having a body. It's part of who you are, your body, a soul, a spirit. When you think about your body, your body functions because of this wonderful circulation that is sharing life to all parts of the body. And if any individual piece of the body were to decide to separate, it wouldn't live, it would die. It would would no longer be included in that circulation. And, And so one of the things that we were discussing in the men's group was the importance of that circulation, so to speak. What are the things that we can do to see that circulation active and thriving? So that nothing gets cut off and separated from the life that exists in the body. So in taking those things, that conversation was begun a couple of weeks ago, carried over to this past Saturday, and then, believe it or not, is going to carry over to next Saturday. So there's no telling how long we're going to run with that. But there was a, a real inspiration this morning, honestly, from those words to, to bring some things to the body, and, and I want to bring those things to you with that in mind, that we... We want to close off the door to the things that hinder circulation, of course, that being the carrier or the catalyst to life, and we want to open up the door to the things that release it. And when you consider those things, the the scripture starts to come to life. You know, you adopt these ideas and and become aware of these mindsets, and then you begin to see in the Word things like, you know, throughout the Old Testament, uh, the blood was referred to as the life blood. like without it, there's no life. And it just sounded like a weird way that maybe people spoke in the Middle East in ancient times, but when you think about it, that's conducive to the need for, for circulation. I mean, there, there is no doubt about it that, that there's something here that needs to be looked at and examined. And so the more that I think about it, the more I get excited. And I want to get into the Word this morning with all of those things in mind, and I hope that some of that excitement translated. Here's a few things we're going to find as we get through the Word this morning. Uh, we're going to find uh, what's not good for anyone. Not good for anyone. And I, I put that down there, I think, because there's a part of me that feels like I'm the exception. And there, there are no exceptions here. Uh, and you'll, you'll see where I'm going with that when we get there. We'll get there real soon, too. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is the enemy of joy. The enemy of joy. Let me tell you something. So much about the gospel is about joy. And a better way to say that is is that so much of the point of the gospel, the work of Jesus Christ in and through your life, is about joy. Jesus said it himself when when he said that, that in his prayer that it was his desire that we have his joy in us so that our joy would be made full. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, he could have prayed about anything, but he prayed for you about joy. And we're going to find out, you know, the enemy of joy. And what's funny is when we see the enemy of joy, we begin to realize, okay, I can see that there's a lot of this going around intentionally in order to hinder joy. We'll find that, and it'll be, uh, hopefully it'll be a revelation to all of us that equips us to uh, be aware of that enemy and, uh, and see to it that joy is valued and protected. A third thing that we're going to find is what we need to be aware of. And that's extremely vague. I understand that. Uh, but uh, get, cut me some slack. So when we get there, you'll realize, yeah, he's right. We do need to be aware of that. That is important. Uh, so we're going to go back to that first one. What's not good for anyone? Okay. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to to you can turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to look at Genesis chapter two, uh, specifically verse eighteen. Now we're going to take this verse and we're going to make it apply to uh, the fellowship within the body. Uh, you could take this passage of Scripture and you could make it specific to, to marriage, and that would be a, a wonderful and, and, and accurate application. However, it also does apply uh, in the way that we are looking to apply it this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, I'm going to, to read the, the first part of it here. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm just going to stop there, and that's really what we're going to lay as a base here. Now, forget about the word man there. Let's just not make it gender specific. Let's just say it's not good for a person to be alone. It's just no good. Now, I thought for years I was the exception to that. My life was filled with a lot of of anger and and, and disappointment and frustration. And, of course, the way that that would manifest would would be through a a lot of uh, negative things and destructive things that opened the door for uh, addictions and things like that. I lived a very isolated life. And the, the lie that I had bought into was, you know, well, I just don't like people and, and I want to be as far away from people as I can possibly be. Well, the truth was I'd stepped right into Satan's trap and, and I had isolated myself and had found myself alone. And let me tell you something, that is the devil's playground. For an individual to cut themselves off from the body, so to speak, and to, to isolate themselves to a place where they are alone is to open up the door for all kinds of, of ill activity Uh, to to either be an opportunity or to actually be exercised. Either way, it's an open door for compromise. And when God said, it's not good for man to be alone, he's including every person in that statement. He's not looking at creation and being like, you know, Tom's a little needy. It's really not good for Tom to be alone. But, you know, Jack over here, he's an island. He'll be all right. I mean, God is looking outside from time. You could say, well, he was only talking about Adam because Adam was the only man. But you've got to understand, we, we try to think that God thinks like we think. But he's outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows every single human being that will ever draw breath from the moment that he forms Adam from the dust. And that statement isn't just uh, about Adam, but that statement is about people. It's, it's not good to be alone. So as we look to fill that void, as we look to respond to that, there are appropriate ways and there are inappropriate ways. God has established the church to be an appropriate way to respond to the dangers of loneliness. I mean, let me tell you something. As an avid note taker, I would have written that down. When you consider the purpose of church, not just to once a week come get your ticket punched and prove to everyone around you that you actually are a believer or, or, you know, maybe to to get a lesson, life lesson for better living or something like that. This is really where we come to get a need met that isn't just for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Rather, this is where we worship together in order to build the relationship together to see to it that we can be there for one another so that we never have to be alone. Because from the very beginning, it wasn't good for us to be alone. I want to, to, to move through this and, and I want to look at some things that I want to offer as schemes to attempt us, or to, to tempt us, excuse me, uh, to, to, to fall away into loneliness. And these schemes are, are progressive, in my opinion. I mean, it's just an opinion that I have. Uh, that that it's not one of these things will will break you, but but this will lead to this, will lead to this, will lead to this, and eventually the result will be loneliness, which God would say is not good. So uh, I want to give these as kind of indicators of of dysfunction or or, unhe- or, or unhealthy relationship. And and you can find these things in churches because this is meant to be a relationship. We're meant to have fellowship with one another. The scripture makes no apology about that. The church doesn't exist because God has ego issues and he wants big uh, cathedrals built in his name and he wants to draw big crowds that will chant his name. Rather, he he has established this for you and for me so that we can have one another and, and be unified not to be on our own suffering the dangers of being alone, but whether we can be unified with the family around us and liberated from those dangers of loneliness. So there's a couple of things that we need to establish here. These are the things that will attempt to come in and break up that fellowship. If these things are present, they need to be responded to in a healthy way and in an appropriate way. They need to be uh, removed or or guarded against in order for us to, to protect what God has said is good, and that's fellowship. So here's a couple of passages of scripture. They're gonna seem a little out of context, but stick with me. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 is gonna sound like I just uh, uh, took off onto a separate message, but just roll with me because you'll you'll find out where we're going. Genesis 1 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So we take that passage of scripture and we realize that, you know, man or woman. Human being, so to speak, God created in his image. I I want to give you the concept of where I'm going with this. You'll see things through the scripture that God deals with, and you can apply the, the reality that you're made in his image. Therefore, what he's dealing with might have a similar effect on you. I mean, here's where we're going. I'll give you the, the passage of Scripture, and hopefully it'll help connect any dots that remain unconnected. Uh, Numbers 14:27. Uh, now, God is talking here, and God says this. Okay? He's talking about a group of people. How much longer will I have to put up with this group of people who are grumbling against me all the time? So God is sitting in a state of frustration, according to this passage, if we read it as it's written, that there is an awareness that there's this complaining and this grumbling, and the result is this question, how long will I have to put up with this? This this isn't something that is desirable, this isn't enjoyable, this isn't something that I'm waking up in the morning and thinking, man, I can't wait to get chewed out this morning. Right? Right? This is not enjoyable. This, this actually causes there to be the, the seed planted for the desire of separation. I don't like that, I, and, and if that continues, I'm going to, to shy away from it until eventually I've shied so far away from it that we're just disconnected altogether. That grumbling is better stated in our kind of, you know, we don't really use the word grumbling a whole lot, uh, but, but think about it like this, criticism. Criticism, negativity, have you been around someone that's highly critical and, and constantly negative and is that the first person you call in the morning? Probably not because that criticism and that negativity is so uh, uh, just undesirable to be around that there will be a, a seed sown when you're exposed to it to want to begin to separate. And it might even seem like a good idea, you know. I mean, we, there's kind of a thing today. And I, I'm not throwing rocks at this thing because it's a real thing. But, but culturally, have you heard the term toxic relationship? You know, I mean, that's kind of now a, a, real, a real issue. And, and I've seen, you know, videos on YouTube where it's kind of like, you know, I, I get what's going on here. And, and you can't make a doctrine out of this one way or another. I just want to offer a danger. If all we do is separate from toxic relationships, how will they ever get healthy? So I'm not telling you that that all toxic relationships need to be embraced. I mean, there if I mean if you have domestic violence and things like that, I mean, let's use common sense. But what I'm saying is, is that that there's a, 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 a part of our, a part of us, excuse me, that is is wanting to shy away from or wanting to remove from criticism and negativity. It's because you're made in the image of God and He doesn't like it either. The one who is love. The one who has revealed the the full measure of grace and mercy into your life through Jesus would see grumbling and criticism and and to state how that would cause him to feel would be how much longer am I going to have to put up with this? It's kind of an interesting thing to think about, right? Well, I can tell you I am made in the image of God because when I'm around criticism and negativity, I, I don't really enjoy it. Uh, some of that is because I'm made in God's image, and some of that is because I have a bit of a fragile ego and, and need to be shored up in some areas. But no matter what, it's, it's undesirable. So I want to give you a, another passage of Scripture here that, that is meant to be kind of the other side of this coin, so to speak, uh, from, the, from the Psalms, uh, Psalm 100, verse 4. Psalm 100, verse 4, it reads like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, in your heart and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Now the his there is God's. Again, a a passage of scripture that might seem a little out of context, but let's think about this for a second. What gives access to God, what what opens up the the, the courts and and flings wide the gates is is gratitude. The opposite of criticism, the opposite of negativity, right? Right? So we see negativity in the picture from our previous scripture in Numbers, and it's how much longer am I going to have to put up with this. But then we see in the Psalms that the doors will be open wide for you to enter in. Come on in, my child, with thanks and, and, and gratitude, praise. Now, again, you have to understand who God is. This isn't a, a matter of, of ego or it's not a matter of fragility on his part. Rather, these are the things that are, are conducive to a reality and an understanding of how much we have to be grateful for and how little we have to complain about. It's a matter of being in right thinking to consider how much we have to be grateful for. And then I offer this to you, the idea that you yourself are made in the image of God. Gratitude and thanksgiving will cause you as well to fling wide the gates. It opens up the door for fellowship. I want to read a couple passages of Scripture here uh, from the uh, book of Philippians. Philippians 2, I want to read verses 14 and 15. It's a call to believers. Now, it's not written to unbelievers, but it's written to believers. Do all things without criticism or grumbling or negativity, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you will appear as lights in the world. Beautifully poetic and and so rich that if we don't stop and think about what we just read, we could easily overlook some really incredibly powerful truths that are established there. One, the absence of criticism is a confirmation that you are of God, a child of God. It means you're like him, that you're functioning and operating in your heavenly DNA, as the scripture would say, partaking in the divine nature. And I ask myself, well, why is this? Because if I'm not careful, I'll easily interpret this as it would be interpreted in my life, which would be about the fragility of my ego, but I know God has no ego issues. Why is it that not complaining and not grumbling makes me like God? Well, I want to offer this to you as a thought. I mean, consider this, that right now, In heaven, there's two ministries going on at all times. That there's, one, the ministry of Jesus Christ making intercession for you. His blood has been placed upon the altar constantly speaking a better word, as the scripture would say it. That better word is, you're forgiven. But at the same time, there's another ministry going on, and it would be the ministry of the accuser of the brethren. Now, he wants to accuse. He wants to stand and say, he's guilty. He's so dirty. He's got no business being in your presence. There's nothing holy about him. So these two things are going on. One, intercession. The other, accusation. But I want to offer this to you that every single criticism at its foundation has an element of accusation. It's the reason why that when I I grumble and complain, I'm stepping outside of operating in the image of God and being like my Heavenly Father. I'm doing the work of the devil when I'm grumbling and complaining because I'm making accusation. This sucks, which means somebody didn't do their job. Somebody didn't uh, fulfill their obligation, blah, 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 blah. If we begin to realize that, we can can begin to, to think, oh my God, I complain a lot. I mean, I, I have signed up for Lucifer's work camp here. And the whole time I think, well, I'm doing the work of the Lord, brother. But let me tell you what I think about Joe Biden. Or let me tell you what I think about this or that or this. And it's just one complaint after the next. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking, you know, I look more like the accuser of the brethren than I do uh, the, uh, the, the, the good shepherd and the high priest that is the apostle that I'm called to be like, my King Jesus. I'm making more accusation than I am intercession. I'm complaining about what's going on instead of praying and interceding for what's going on. I'm no longer doing the work of Christ that I've been equipped and empowered and anointed to do, but rather I'm doing the work of the devil which I so easily fall into because at my carnal base, it's my nature. Pretty interesting, isn't it? It makes you begin to understand, even within the body here, the importance of guarding and protecting from criticism and negativity. Now, that's not to mean that you can't have a view or an opinion. We've got to have views and opinions, but it's how we handle them. When, they, when they're not handled the right way, when they're not taken to the right people, all of the sudden, things aren't done in a healthy way. They're done in an unhealthy way. They're no longer conducive to being productive, but they become the catalyst for the things that are divisive and lead to the cutting off of circulation and ultimately death. I heard a guy one time who, who just was a great leader. He was uh, uh, having trouble in a congregation and, and he made a comment to me that was really profound. I mean, the congregation had uh, horrible challenges and issues. There were people that were, were, were leaving in droves and, and there were, were terrible things happening. And when he was asked what was going on, I was really impressed with his response. His response wasn't, uh, you know, well, they're just a bunch of carnal men or they're just this or they're just that. He didn't step into the position of accusation. You know what he said? I'll tell you what he said because it blew my mind. He said, you know, they've never been taught how to handle this. And I just thought, you know what? You you just took responsibility for it as the, the, the teacher, the head teacher of the congregation. You're realizing I never instructed them how to handle challenges and how to to handle negativity and criticism, how to handle having a differing opinion. And because I never taught them how to handle a differing opinion, when that differing opinion comes up, it's no wonder that it manifests in such a carnal and base way. That was a very mature response. I've heard a lot of pastors just throw rocks, you know. Well, that heathen will come around one of these days, you know. It's a Really bad move. The reality is, we ought to stop, as Jesus would say, picking at the splinter in our brother's eye and yank the plank out of our own. We need to learn how to be critical in a healthy way and not be negative and grumbling and complaining and function in the ministry of intercession rather than give in to the ministry of accusation. Let me give you another verse here and we'll move forward. This might need to be a series. I said that because I'm looking at the clock. Hebrews chapter 3, I want to look at verse 12 and and we'll probably carry over to verse 13. Listen to the the value of of these words and look for the things. I mean, as I read it to you, I want to trust that there are things that will will stand out to you and and speak volumes to you more than just the reading of the word, but rather the impartation of, of what God is speaking to you. Take care, brethren. Now, this is directed to you. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you suffer an evil or unbelieving heart and fall away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's a bit of of a mouthful when you read it. But when I stop and I consider what's being communicated here, It's quite a bit. It's this call to be careful, you know, and to identify one, brethren, being a a relationship, that that there is a connection, that there is a body, that this isn't just some random series of, of acquaintances, but rather this is a bond, a relationship. I can't think of a stronger bond than brotherhood. And what we see here is this identity being attached to, to who's being addressed, that it's those that have that bond. Take care that there not be any of you that fall away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day. I mean, when I see that, I'm thinking, if, if you read through that too fast, I think we could miss something. That word but there is a word that, that we use often. And, and it's got words that can be substitute uh, in its place in order to, to maybe affect how it rings out to us. I want to offer this to you. Here's an example. If, if my wife were to say, um, hey, uh, I don't want to go to get a burger, but I'd like to go get Mexican food, right? So there's, there's a, a, a contradiction there, she, or a, a rebuttal, so to speak, is, is a way we put it. I don't want this, I want this instead. She could say it this way. Now, remember the way she said it before was, I I don't want a burger, but I want Mexican food. You could also say this. Hey, honey, I don't want a burger today. Rather, I would like Mexican food. Right? They they mean the exact same thing, right? Let me just change that one word and see if this changes the way it hits your brain when we read it. Uh, Hey, take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you that falls away from God. Rather, encourage one another day after day. The difference between falling away from God and being the brethren is daily encouragement from the body. If daily encouragement from the body begins to wane, we open the door to fall away. And it's an amazing thing to me the way this passage is presented because the responsibility falls on the body. It doesn't say, hey, pray God that we'll keep you guys together. But this says, hey, brethren, listen up. See to it that no one falls away. Stay connected. Encourage each other. Call each other. Text each other. Email each other. Facebook each other. Whatever you need to do to stay connected, do it for each other so that nobody falls away. Kind of interesting, huh? You didn't know Facebook was in the Bible. And as you continue to read that, it it, it, it continues to communicate a, a wonderful and powerful thing that I think we make really noble efforts to pursue. And, and I'm telling you out of my own observation, I don't know that we've hit the bullseye quite yet. Uh, but there's a, a strong desire in the church body to be able to provide accountability for one another. I hear that word often. But consider what's accomplished in this passage of Scripture if this is brought to pass. Take care, brethren, see to it that no one falls away. Rather, encourage each other uh, day after day, as long as it's called today. Now, you know how much I love these words, so that. Now, here comes, like, the point, right? Stay connected. So that. Here's, here's what the result will be. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That sounds a lot like accountability to me. The part that I can play in your life to protect you from falling into Deceitfulness and sin—the part that you can play in my life to help protect me from the deceitfulness of sin. If we think accountability means, "Hey, you got my cell phone number, brother," so the moment you get tempted, call me up. I think that's a noble effort, and I think that's great. The problem is, I can't be there all the time for you. Trust me, my wife will tell me, "Honey, turn your phone off, please. I love you, but I go to bed with her. I'm gonna turn my phone off." She's laughing because she knows that. Don't really. I need to do that more father, I repent. The point is, is that this is a wonderful thing that we need. We've got to stay connected. If we don't stay connected, circulation's cut off. And if circulation is cut off, the result is death. You know, there's some things that I always found interesting in the scripture, and we're not going to, we all will make this a series. We'll we'll pick it up next week. I was fascinated with the the idea that, that the, the gospel showed Jesus ministering so much to the leper. I mean, I just thought, why doesn't it talk more about like people with broken limbs or people with, with you know, cancers or, or other... Because, you know, there were other diseases and there were other ailments there. But, but it seems like leprosy kind of gets a front row seat in the gospels, right? And I just didn't know. Maybe that's just kind of like it was their COVID, you know. It's kind of a big deal at the time, made headlines. And, and so... You know, it made the, the cut in the scripture when they were writing it out. It was just kind of a, a bad time for leprosy, so it's in there a lot. But I think, you know, God's so big and so intentional that there's really nothing casual in the scripture. You want to know what leprosy is? It's, it's parts of the body losing circulation and falling off. Parts of the body dying. Jesus came to heal leprosy. You want to know something? We've been talking as, as men in the group. One of the things that we talked about was, guys, let's pray. Let's ask God to reveal to us the, the, the spirits that are at war to divide the body, not just in Abilene, but specifically at Champions Church. What, what is it? Let me tell you something. After, after seeing in the Gospels and talking about what we're talking about today, a bind a spirit of leprosy in the name of Jesus Christ. That spirit that would attempt to come in, introduce infection, that would lead to, to death and separation and eventually the dropping off from the body. Leaving the body maimed and crippled. Less effective. And leading, leaving the one that dropped off dead. Cut off from circulation. Pretty great stuff. I want to ask you to join with me in that prayer. and I, Not just that one, but, but to take on that same charge that we had in the men's group. To... To, to ask God, reveal to us those things. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but, but with these, these spirits, these principalities and powers based on the scripture, these rulers and authorities and, and heavenly places, these, these wicked things, these entities that exist. Join, join together, ask God, Father, will you show us those things that are attempting to interrupt what you've called good, which is fellowship, that are attempting to bring what you've said is not good, which is loneliness and separation. Let those things be revealed to us so that we can uh, uh, do the spiritual warfare that's necessary against them. But let it transcend just our prayer life. When we're off of our knees, let us connect and and contact and circulate with one another. Break out of our, our routines and our cliques and begin to engage with each other and celebrate the circulation of the Holy Spirit that you have established and that you have called good. You came to heal the leper. Well, lay your hands on me. Not a bad prayer. I think we'll end there and we'll pick up next week. If you would, I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us this morning, and, and the prayer isn't just, you know, God, please let this word be effective, but it's, it's please let this word be effective through each of us individually, not just that we hear it and do something, but that we hear it and it begins to transform how we do the things we do, to begin to see and to value circulation. It wouldn't take long if I were to take a piece of string and wrap it really tight around this finger You know, I could start the message and things would seem okay, but as time would pass, you'd begin to notice turn a little blue and and a little purple. And, you know, by the time we were done, you'd be like, you need to take that string off, buddy. You're going to have problems. I mean, we, we have our, our own body to testify to us the importance of circulation, but, but as Paul would write, he would say, hey, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be open. This is all something we know in our flesh, but I want to pray that the eyes of our understanding, that we would know in our spirit the importance of circulation so that we could begin to cut loose the areas that are bound and celebrate the wonderful circulation of the holy ghost that god has released through the body which is you me the person next to you the person across the room from you the person that's not here this morning but you know they're a part of the body that is where life is found and to just hope that one day you show up and there's life in the church is is wishful thinking But to come to the place to say, Father, I know I'm a part of the body. Let there be no bondage. that would. I don't want circulation to stop with me. Let your spirit flow through me. Just as your word was written, that that there would be rivers of living water that would flow through me. I can think of no greater definition of living water than the lifeblood that flows through my veins. And let it flow through me. Not stop with me. Don't just fill me up, Lord but flow through my life to those around me so that they might partake, that there might be circulation, they might receive from me and I might receive from them and the result would be life. I want to pray. You're welcome to be in an attitude or a state of agreement or simply receiving. But I want to close out with this prayer. Father, we thank you for your counsel and your direction. We rejoice in the presence and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the truth of your word. We ask for a a, a change in our hearts and in our minds that we would not simply uh, grow academically, but that we would be transformed in every way more into the likeness of our King Jesus. Let us see and value the things that you value. Let us have revealed to us every area of restriction where circulation stops with us. And let us put an end to that bondage that circulation would be open to flow that everything that you have enriched our lives with would be released to bless those around us and everything that you have enriched their life with would be released to bless us let life prevail collectively we bind the spirit of leprosy in Jesus name and we loosen this house the unity of the Holy Ghost to circulate through this body and to bring about the wonders of life. We give you thanks in every way. Let every change necessary take place in our hearts, in our minds, our attitudes, our actions, our mentalities. Let it all be yielded to you to be shaped and formed in such a way that we might be the body of Christ. Circulating the life of the Holy Spirit and bringing to pass through our existence the works that are pleasing to you. We give you thanks, Father. We bind negativity and criticism in Jesus' name. That work of Satan, that that accusation of the brethren, we bind the spirit of accusation in Jesus' name. And we loosen this body, the spirit of intercession. Let us stop complaining and grumbling and stop pray, start praying and interceding and, and stop being part of the problem and start being the solution. Let there be a release in us to be transformed. Let our ways become your ways. That we would lay down and abandon all of the things that haven't worked and begin to take up those things that you've called us to, trusting and believing that everything you've called us to will work. That as we do it your way, We get your result. And let that result be life in the body. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. We rejoice in your goodness and surrender to your call. And with thanksgiving, we surrender our lives to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Open for the circulation of the Holy Ghost. We bless you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And all the saints declare, Amen.